Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. You like the Holy Spirit? He's kind of fun, eh? He's not just funny, he's God. Oh, that's, uh... Ooh, I'm going to teach you a bit about him tonight. One of the things I love teaching people and helping people understand that God's an experience, not a theory. And uh, <clears throat> we can try and understand him with our minds, which is great. It's, um, but the Spirit will lead you into all truth. And uh, <clears throat> I like the scriptures where it talks about where I, I pray with my spirit. I also pray with my understanding, yeah? There's two, two things. <clears throat> and I sing in the spirit and I sing with understanding. There's, a, there's two things. No, I suggest you get good at both. <clears throat> but a little bit... <clears throat> but also it says in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, heart not your mind, and lean not on your own understanding. And uh, it's one of the things God's been teaching me over the last few months is actually to put that into practice. And uh, so, Jen, are you ready when to come up? Dr. Jen Kang, if she can make it up here, is going to give you a testimony. So, <clears throat> she's very much my. <laughs> I think she's going to need some help from her husband. This is a risky. <clears throat> So she and I, along with a lot of other folks, have been pushing into the reality of heaven in healthcare. Are, are, are you capable, or is this going to be? I'm so good. You're good. So yeah. Good. We call it drunctional. Yeah. Do you know if you? Oh yes. Sit yes. down. Hey. Bless you. That's Bless a neat you. idea. That's a bit of wisdom from heaven, right there. Oh. That's a... You get the throne. I noticed. I'll sit on the edge. Wow. Hmm. Um, I'm Jen. I feel like um, the, what I want to release tonight is a testimony in a testimony. A word came up during this conference. I think it was Lisa Owen, who's a brilliant medical educator from Ireland, there you are. And she was handing out chocolate, and it was prophetic chocolate, and the word was ripple. It's a really good chocolate, British chocolate. And I believe that what God is doing is gonna be kingdom-style ripple, where instead of fading as the ripple goes out, it grows in strength. I think one of the most um, profound miracles that transformed me and my thinking happened early on in my career. And I'm going to tell you that story, and then there's a story after it, a ripple that grew and continues to grow. I was a, I was a young doctor in my first couple years of practice, and I was practicing uh, 
on uh, a Native American reservation, um, so kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, where there were not a lot of uh, medical resources. And one night when I was on call, a young woman was brought into the emergency room in really serious condition. And I was called by my emergency medicine doctor friend to come and see her. And he was really quite, um, he sounded really quite concerned on the phone. He said, this is really dangerous. We have um, a young woman here who has a source of infection that is very, very quickly deteriorating. And she's only 24. And so I ran to the emergency room um, and discovered that, in fact, there was a very serious situation uh, of a young woman who had a pelvic infection um, involving the skin, um, which looked very much to me at that moment like necrotizing fasciitis. See, we get to say fun words. Which is, perhaps, you know this as gas-eating infection of the skin. The gas-eating bacteria, it's very, very dangerous, progresses very rapidly. And she was um, not able to interact. Her, her mental status had already deteriorated, and she was already losing her blood pressure. The infection was spreading very rapidly. And I felt a little scared as on my own. I didn't have surgeons who were experienced to back me up. It was just me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to pray because I know God heals. I'm going to need some help. So I just felt this faith come. And I, I just boldly prayed. I had no idea if her family was okay with that, but I just felt that come, and I prayed for her. And, and then I, I just like, wow, okay, good, it's done. And she was worse. And so then we had to step in because we were losing her airway and her blood pressure, and, and the emergency medicine team intubated her, put a tube down, and I, meanwhile, got on the phone with colleagues about six hours away at the closest university at the time was in Albuquerque, and kind of talked them through all the data and the situation, the seriousness of the situation, and they said, you, you can't transfer, you have to go to the OR now. I was like, wow, I feel this faith. I was starting to feel really confused uh, about why I had so much faith and, and then that God didn't do anything. And so I kind of hung up and, and started mobilizing my OR team. And we get to the OR, and I am inwardly feeling, honestly, not faith at this point. Feeling worried, feeling running in my head, the anatomy and, and, and everything that I would have to do and the huge resection and, and would this actually result in saving this woman's life, this young, young woman. And in the operating room, we began, at this point, she's on multiple medications to maintain her blood pressure. It's not good. She has intermittent runs of arrhythmia. The anesthesiologist has to deal with. I, I, I'm starting to feel like any moment we're going to have to code her. But I start. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I grab my knife and I start resecting. That's what you do in these situations. You have to cut out the affected tissue and you have to do it widely and deeply. And as I begin, I, I clearly hear the Holy Spirit in my spirit say, cut here. No, not there. Here. Here. No, not there. Here. 
And it was, it was in areas that I did not know or did not think I would need to resect or remove. And, and my spirit started to calm. And I was, okay, the Lord is with me. He's going to show me exactly what I need to do. And I am literally removing large chunks of her tissue down to what we call the fascia, down to the muscle and fascia. And I continue, and, and my tech is helping me. I don't even have another surgeon. The general surgeon was in another trauma case. It was just me and my tech. And we're cutting, and we're cutting, and there's tissue that is piling up. And everywhere I hear the spirit tell me to cut, there is more necrotic tissue. And so Holy Spirit's right, of course, right? And finally, I feel like, oh, I start to feel grief in my soul about the amount of defect that's there. I'm starting to feel grief for this woman, the plastic surgery she's going to need in order to repair this and still have defect. And then I begin to feel very confused. Now, it's the middle of the night, but I'm watching something happen, and, I, and at first, I don't think it's real. I'm like, and then I just keep going because I think I'm tired. But this wound starts to look smaller to me. Yeah. And this is a wound. This is a big, big area. And it continues to happen. And I'm still trying to kind of debride and clean out the edges, make sure that it's, it's, it's contracting in. And at a certain point, I just had to stop because I could no longer convince my brain that I was tired and seeing things. And it was so puzzling. I did not understand what was happening. And I just stood there. And I thought, should I say something? And my tech next to me, thank God, bless him, he said, yeah, no, doc. There's a lot more tissue on this table. That one is, something's weird. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one. And I said, I know, what do you think? He's like, I don't know, it's really creepy. <laughs> and then my anesthesiologist said, hey, what's going on down there? She seems so, we're doing better. Like, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna actually, I've titrated down this presser and I mean, we're really doing better. You must be getting to where you need to be. And I'm like, why would, why would you say that? I, we're in the middle of a serious surgery. It's still going to be serious afterwards. We're going to do this again. Are we? And me, this, this, this wound went from this size to like this size. And I thought to myself, should I, should I pack this? What do we do now? So I just, I putter around because I, I'm not sure what's happening. I irrigate. I do my doctory thing. I pack it with some gauze. And I decide we're done. I'm like, well, let's, um, let's transfer her back to the ICU. So we transfer her. She's very stable. Within an hour, she doesn't need any pressers to maintain her blood pressure. She's starting to buck the vent. We put her a little deeper because we're a little wondering why. We don't think we should be able to intubate somebody this, or extubate somebody this sick, take their tube out. This woman, I, I never took her back to the OR again. We did not transfer her. She came off the ventilator by the next morning. 
And we just did a little packing for the next two weeks. She never needed a graft, a flap. Her wound healed all the way in in two weeks. And, and I just could not explain it. And it gripped me because which part did God do? And which part did I? Can you dissect out what God does and what you do? When we carry who he is. So I told this story first about maybe eight years ago, publicly. And last year um, at Eastgate, not this past November, but the prior, um, a man came up to me crying after one of the meetings. This is the testimony within the testimony. And he said, he's trying to talk. And he said, you're, you're that doctor. You're that doctor I heard about with the necrotizing fasciitis. And I was like, okay, hi, who are you? And he introduced himself. He is an ENT oncology surgeon. So he does surgery of the head, neck, and throat, in particular cancers, very serious cancers. And he heard from a nurse who had wa watched a recording where I had shared this testimony. She told him about this testimony, and it sparked something in him. And he started to have this, he called it secret wish, <laughs> that when he was doing surgery, God would do something similar. But he never even asked the Lord, because he wasn't sure. And as he was one, one day operating, he and his team would do the big resection, take out, they were taking out a, a, real, a pretty significant section of the jaw and face. And they would do all the measurements and then they would pass along the measurements of this hole, this defect, to the plastic surgery team. And then the plastic surgery team would come in and, and they would repair it with a graft from elsewhere to reconstruct the face. And the plastic surgery team was a little bit annoyed when they came, because yeah. the measurements were off. And he said, as it actually happened a couple of times, and he started to wonder. It was just a little off at first, but subsequent surgeries, it was a little more off. And finally, the lead for this plastic surgery team came to him and said, listen, something is, it, this is really, we have to redo so much of these measurements, and like we don't want to make the flap and, and irresponsibly take more tissue than we need to. And, and we feel like this is not going well. And he said, um, why don't you come into the case with me? So they did the case together, and the same thing happened. This time, the plastic surgeon took the measurements. <laughs> and so finally, he confessed his suspicion that maybe there was something happening supernaturally. And the plastic surgeon started crying and said, I have so longed to see a miracle. And I have been wondering if Jesus still does miracles. And you know what? I, 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 he said to me, do you think this is, this is a miracle? Like, do you think this is happening in my practice? And I said, yeah, I think so. 
But the thing that struck me is that when God does something and testimony creates more testimony, it doesn't fade and get a little less like the sound wave does as it moves away from you. It actually grows. The wound that I saw granulate in, I think a whole face coming in is a little bigger to me. So I just want to release the testimony within the testimony, within the testimony, within the testimony, within the testimony in this place. And I just believe this house within this city will affect this nation with the testimony ripple anointing. <clears throat> That's heaven in healthcare. See, God loves the world. He doesn't just love it on Sundays. <laughs> he loves it every day of the week. And the world starts at your doorstep. And he wants to use you to love the world really well. And that includes signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> Take hold of that testimony. <clears throat> um, last year I was in a, a city in Holland called Maastricht and I was working with a church there doing a freedom conference or school sort of thing and um, I was in the second night of this and one, there was a lady there who'd recently been born again um, and uh, she brought a friend along who was not born again um, because she wanted me to pray for this friend <clears throat> And this lady had a, a really serious medical condition. She actually had a, a slipped disc in her neck at the level of C4, which is actually bad news. And she actually had spinal cord compression because of this. Um, and she had multiple symptoms. Uh, that, that's total paralysis territory and really dangerous. Um, she was due for surgery 10 days later where they would actually operate through the throat, go in past, try and get past the voice box and all the mechanics around there to the disc at the back and then remove it and pull it out to release the compression on the spinal cord. Really risky surgery. You agree with that, Declan? Pretty, not, not, not. You don't want to do that, no. Really risky surgery. And she had many, many symptoms because of, of, of the compression of her spinal cord. Anyway, so a friend came up and said, they explained this to me. I thought, oh, well. And got an MRI scan, you know, which shows the called compression. So she said, um, can you pray for my friend? I said, sure, I can pray for your friend, but I've only got one problem. I don't have any prayers that work. And she looked at me a bit, well, we came for you to pray for us. I said, I don't have any prayers that work. The only, the only way I can help you is if I can help you touch Jesus and he can heal you. How about that? So I don't have any techniques. I only have a hymn. only have a hymn. That's, that's all I've got. I've got him. <coughs> and, uh, but he's all I need. And that picture over there, the lady, she said, if I can touch him, I'll get a heal. So I believe in a one-step process of healing. Touch Jesus. And, and watch him do his work. So I said to this lady, okay, so, but what I can do is I can help you touch Jesus. And if you touch him then you can be healed. 
He said, okay. Now, this lady was actually from a new age background, and so this wasn't too weird for her. Now, if you don't mind, she said, well, how are you going to do that? I said, well, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in tongues for about a minute, because that's the best way I know to touch heaven. It's the quickest way I know to touch heaven. I said, just pray in tongues for a minute, <clears throat> and uh, we'll see what happens. He said, okay. And um, so I did. I just said, if you're happy, I'll put my hand on your shoulder. I put my hand on her shoulder, and I just prayed in tongues for about a minute. And I said, I took my hand away and said, what's happening? She said, wow, I'm feeling hot. I said, wow, that's good. She said, is it? I said, yeah, yeah, that's good, because God manifests himself in fire. I said, if you're feeling hot, I think you're touching Jesus. Isn't that good? She said, well, okay, if you say so. I said, <laughs> so I said, let's pray again. Just for, I said, pray for another minute. Nothing fancy. Pray in tongues for a minute. Let it go. And then and she said, wow, I'm even hotter. I said, great. Um, tell me what happens. That's it, because my job's done. I've helped her touch Jesus. Anyway, so that was Friday evening. On the Monday morning, she was due for her preoperative assessment for her surgery the following Monday. Saturday morning comes and we get a text from this lady um, to the place where I'm staying, not to my host's phone. Basically, she's woken up, no symptoms whatsoever. <laughs> no. But this is, this is a reverse heaven and healthcare problem. Because what's the problem now? See, what I said to her, look, um, this is really good, but I don't know that you're completely healed. I just know you haven't got any symptoms right now. I don't know whether your cervical compression has actually gone, I just because I, I don't have that information. So she said, can I come and see you? So she came to see me on the Sunday after I preached in the church, and guess what? She brought four other people with her to get healed because... <laughs> Because that's, that's normal Christianity that, you know, good news is meant to spread. And she wasn't, fright, she wasn't frightened of spreading it. It's mainly the Christians who are frightened of spreading the good news. <laughs> so, so anyway, and then she said to him, what, what, what should I do? Because I don't want unnecessary surgery. I said, well, this is what I do. Please do not disengage from the medical process. That would be irresponsible. <clears throat> Go back and see your, your surgeon tomorrow and say, look, um, something strange has happened to me. This is, which is, that's non-inflammatory language. Because if you... <laughs> something strange has happened to me and I don't have any symptoms. And if, you can explain it a little bit further and see what happens. Anyway, so that's what she did. She went back and said to her surgeon, something strange has happened to me. I don't have any symptoms. He did a repeat MRI, which showed that she had been completely healed. <laughs> 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 the MRI was checked by another specialist because obviously we want to make sure this this is then rippling around the health arena. So who's getting to share this testimony now? The health arena. Right, because we didn't disengage from them. I'm not frightened of... Good news is good news. The New Age community are then buzzing with this because they found a spiritual reality that can do stuff that they can't. And the church was I work in, suddenly they're alive because God's turned up in their midst. <laughs> All just by touching Jesus. <laughs> I love it. 
Jesus came to set the captives free. <clears throat> he came because he loved the world and he came to bring freedom to the world. It says in Galatians 5 verse 1, it was for freedom Christ set you free. Are you glad you're free? Good. <clears throat> How glad are you to be free? <laughs> well, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> okay. How much do you value your freedom? Because what it goes on to say, stand firm then and do not let yourselves, do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by yoke of slavery. So your freedom will be challenged by the devil because he doesn't want you to be free because he knows the power of your freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, it's an outcome of him. So what, what sort of, you wouldn't want to be enslaved, would you? Would you allow yourself to be enslaved once again? No, we say quite boldly, good. <clears throat> What's it look like to be enslaved? It looks like anxiety, discouragement, disappointment, fear. <clears throat> See, I'm telling you, this stuff comes knocking on your door pretty much every day. And we need to guard our freedom. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 3 the end of that chapter says now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom is that good? who's your best guard in terms of freedom? the Holy Spirit he really is <clears throat> And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Wow, so what I want to talk, want to, talk to you about tonight is freedom and glory, okay? And it's going to, see how far I get. might need to carry over tomorrow morning because, but <clears throat> there's also a big angel here with me. Um, his name's called Gold. Um, and he's been given to uh, my wife and I and our church. <clears throat> and he's He's pretty powerful. And he's given an anointing for freedom. <laughs> now, <clears throat> when I was here, March, was it March, April time? Last year. Um, I talked this through with your leaders and they kindly allowed me to do something with them on the Tuesday, which was actually sort of put a spiritual sword in the ground because that's what, gold angel has given to us and <clears throat> the word of God that we got alongside this for, for a separate prophecy from my wife had the encounter with gold angel um, which was a bit of a shock for her <laughs> big angel <clears throat> then we got a prophecy about us being given an angelic guard uh, about three weeks later by a lady who we didn't know and she <clears throat> said that We've been given an angelic guard, but he, she didn't know exactly his name, but it definitely began with G. Now, Gold Angel gave uh, us a sword with which to 
uh, create spiritual earthquakes. Everybody goes, ooh, that sounds, no, that's quite disruptive. <laughs> whoopity do, you know. <laughs> whoopity do. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's quite, quite disruptive. Um, but it is, it, <clears throat> God wants to set people free. He really does. <clears throat> but he goes on to say, we <clears throat> all, <clears throat> who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is also glory. Now these two things go together. Why is this important? <clears throat> is our freedom just for us? What's it meant to do? It's meant to, it's meant to flow into the world. And if you, if you read through the book of Galatians, it's, which is a book that's all about guarding freedom, it says, guard freedom for the sake of the truth of the gospel. Now, when Peter gets um, uh, into hypocrisy, when he, he shrinks back uh, from eating with the, the Gentiles in uh, Antioch, isn't it? Yeah? Because um, <clears throat> he... he happened, sorry, how many of you would think, if you'd been in, on the... the Rooftop and Joppa, and you'd had those vision come to you three times, and you'd been convinced to eat anything that you would never shrink back from that. You've been taken into freedom by an extraordinary encounter with God, where He reveals Himself and His purposes so that you can start the gospel spreading into the Gentile world. Yeah. You know the story, don't you? Have you ever think? Well, that would hold me. I'd never go back to slavery after that. <clears throat> Peter, it says, for fear of the circumcision group, he stopped eating with the Gentiles. Fear of man. Slavery. Fear of man is a really powerful spiritual force that will try and enslave you and stop you being free, free. Paul rebuked him. Would you have liked to be a witness to that stand-up confrontation? <laughs> oh, that would have been, would have been, would have been feisty, eh? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This is whistle stop. <clears throat> when, when it's time to get your kids, bring them back in because we're going to have a, a freedom and glory anointing going on at the end of the meeting, okay? <clears throat> as far as I, I don't see Gold Angel, I can normally feel, <clears throat> feel him, but I've been reliably informed he's in that corner, right? Oh, he's gone over there now, is he? So he's, he's, he's moving, okay. My spirit guides are helping me. <laughs> He's definitely around. I can feel him. <clears throat> okay. How many of you think society's in a bit of a mess? Would you agree with... I'll tell you, the UK society is, is in trouble. Massive mess. And as I understand it, the US is similar. Most nations are in some degree of chaos. 
conflict. <clears throat> groaning, would you think? Are the nations groaning a bit? Ours is. Ours is creaking as well as groaning. <clears throat> Romans 8 verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Including in creation, it is, is the, it's not just you know, the, the trees and, and the natural world, it's actually human society. I would suggest to you, society is groaning right across the globe. Are we groaning with them? <laughs> groaning and moaning? Are we in despair? What's the answer? Well, it's the few verses before. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Been having a tough time? I've had a tough time. My tough times continue. In all honesty. My wife and I have faced probably the toughest time of our lives over the last three years, and it's still going on. There's a suffering going on. I think most people do. In, I've, in the medical world, uh, my observation, and we looked at this in our Heaven in Healthcare conference in, in, in autumn, uh, back in November in Eastgate, we just recognised that pretty much every frontline healthcare worker was suffering from some degree of PTSD. Because of what they've have gone through and continue to go through. We need to love people, don't we? we? Need to love them well. That's what again, that's this is this is the sector of society that I know the most about. Now, you can apply this to whatever sector of society you're particularly involved in. I love healthcare. It's my responsibility as a Christian to love the world. But I can't carry it all, but I can carry the bit that I'm in. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to say, we celebrate in different areas. Healthcare, teachers, tough time, eh? Woo! So many, so many sectors of society. Whatever sector you are involved in, <coughs> God wants to use you to love that world well. And to bring freedom to it. Because it, goes, <coughs> it says that the creation waits in eager expectation, because the glory is going to be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. The world is in bondage. It's in chains. <clears throat> it will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Woo! Which freedom? Glorious freedom. The world is not waiting to be brought into your glorious slavery. 
In actual fact, it's pretty good at avoiding it. Ever wonder why the church isn't flooding in? Sorry, the people aren't flooding into the church? Well, maybe there's an answer. No longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. We can sing it. Is it true? In Romans 12, it talks about don't allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of the world. Yeah? The world has a pattern at the moment, and the danger is that that pattern is being replicated in the church. Right. I could list it all up. <coughs> Entitlement. <laughs> Individualism. Fear of man. <coughs> All sorts of other stuff, which are strongholds. <coughs> Says it goes on to say that <coughs> don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who's transforming your mind? Holy Spirit. He wants to lead you into freedom, complete freedom. And he wants to reveal things to you out of his kindness. Whew. <coughs> Ever felt discouraged or disappointed? Yeah. On a regular basis. <clears throat> Do you live in discouragement and disappointment? That's a different deal. My mum died of cancer. She died a very ugly death. <clears throat> Bearing in mind that I had seen people raised from the dead and many miracles, I didn't see my mum improve one bit when I prayed for her or other people. <clears throat> and my mum had one last wish, which was to spend Christmas with her family. And uh, my dad drove her up to my house, and I carried her in to her house, and basically she put her in a bed, and she was literally just skin and bones. She was like a skeleton and yellow with the jaundice that goes with it. But she was with her family for Christmas, because my mum loved Christmas. It was her last wish. <clears throat> Once we got past Christmas, she said, Pete, I'm ready to go. Because she loved Jesus. And the fight was, uh, the fight was up. And <clears throat> I had to realise that I wasn't going to win that battle. I have one last wish. <laughs> I wanted to spend New Year with my mum. <clears throat> we took her to a hospice on the 27th or 28th of December and put her in a, what I knew would be her final bed. And I 
drove down there with my dad. We put her in the hospice. <coughs> and then we waited for her to die. And New Year's Eve came round and I decided I was going to spend... I was going <laughs> to... I was going to see the new year in with my mum for the last moment, last time ever, because I wanted to be with her. Now I knew she where she was going. That was not that was not the problem. I just wanted time with her. So, <clears throat> so I sat by her, and um, when <clears throat> midnight came, we saw in the new year, and I saw in the new year by just brushing her mouth around to hydrate it and put a little bit of ice in her mouth. That was our celebration. That was New Year. And I held her hand and right through till about eight o'clock in the morning and then I said goodbye to her for the last time. <clears throat> before I died, before she died, my mum who loved healing and I'd seen her healed <clears throat> when I prayed for them of numerous things. Um, arthritis in the hip, chronic sinusitis, all sorts of things. She, she, you know, I'd seen, seen a breakthrough, but this one, this battle was lost. <clears throat> and, and that's one of the ways I regard it. But I'm not, I'm refusing to stop the war. Because I've not got to the fullness of freedom that God wants me to get to yet. Or the fullness of his glory being released through my life that 100% of people get healed when I pray for them. I'm not there yet, but I'm en route. <laughs> but this was a tough one. But my mum said to me before she started, not coercively, she said, Pete, please never stop praying for the sick. Don't use my death as an excuse. Is that faith or what? That's faith. She had great faith, my mum. <clears throat> I said goodbye to her and she died a few days later. But the challenge was that I was due to go to Peru six days after she died to do a healing mission where they were expecting the man of God to turn up. And I didn't want to go. Do you know why? I wasn't interested in healing at that moment. I'd had enough. Last thing I wanted to do, I was disappointed, discouraged. I was also grieving. And I want to tell you what I needed at that moment in time. This is what I do. This is what faith looks like. Is you keep touching Jesus in the moment for what you need. And I needed comfort at that moment. And I needed my Father in heaven to hug me. Do you need comfort? It's okay to say so. I think most people do at the moment. And what great faith looks like in that moment is to reach out and touch him. Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I just went and let my dad in heaven comfort me. Let the Prince of Peace envelop me. And I got on a plane six days later and I saw lots of miracles. <laughs> it was kind of tough. 
I was loving the miracles, but there's one person I'm thinking of. <clears throat> That's often the case in medicine, isn't it? You remember the ones you didn't save. <clears throat> so, there we go. There's a cheerful story, eh? <laughs> Christmas story. another Christmas story. Maybe I'll tell you that one tomorrow morning because we haven't got time today. Okay. This has got a completely different outcome. But I won't spoil that one. We'll, do that. we'll save that for tomorrow, okay? <coughs> I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17. How many of you know what John chapter 17 is about? If you had to describe it. Mr. Collins, Jeff Collins, what's it about? John 17. The work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a good, good answer. What else? Anybody else got anything? Unity. Unity, that's the one. Unity is probably the answer I was looking for, Jeff, but you, well, your answer was great. <laughs> Unity. Now, I don't know if you, how many times have you read John 17? Because it's, it's Jesus' prayer for unity in his church, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty tall order. If, okay? How important is unity? But what I'll tell you is you actually find a lot of glory in this chapter, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so I'm, I'm going to read some through and uh, we'll head towards the landing spot soon, okay? But I've got to tell you another bit of the story about my mum before I finish, okay? She wasn't raised from the dead, by the way, so she went off to heaven, Jesus said this, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. It gets quite confusing as which direction the glory goes in this chapter. So if you get confused, just join me in confusion. <clears throat> glorify your son that your son may glorify you. So lots of glory hanging around. I want to tell you, glory is not a limited commodity. It's an increasing commodity, okay? For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Isn't that cool? What, what happens when you do the work that God's placed in front of you? He gets glory. What happened when Jim, Jim was doing that surgery? God's going, wow, this is amazing. Shared glory is a reality of Christianity. Shared glory. Whew. You like that word? I think there's something on that, isn't it? Shared glory. Whew. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So <laughs> they were enjoying a glory party before they created the world, okay? So they're, 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 this, is, this is what they do for fun. Normal. So they're having a glory party. Glory is normal for them, okay? It's, it's, it's what, what they are, it's who they are, it's what they do, and they're, they, they're quite happy sending it backwards and forth. <clears throat> Let's go down. Um, okay, I'm going to go down to verse 10. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. The Trinity is very confusing. And if you can explain it, you're probably a heretic. 
That's what I was taught when I went to theology. <laughs> there is no explanation for it that you can... <laughs> you can try and give some ideas, but it's... All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Now, who's the them? This is his disciples. So, is this not amazing? Jesus says glory comes to him through us. Through his disciples. Wow. <laughs> I love that we get to share glory with God. With Jesus. Because it actually says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So what degree of unity is, it, is, is Jesus expecting and praying for in the church? They're the same degree of unity that exists within the Trinity, now, I don't know about you, but I've read this many times, and my response to that over the years has always been, good luck, Jesus. <laughs> Seems tricky enough to get one, one, one church united, let alone the whole universal bunch. I understand that you're pretty good at it here in, in, in Austin in terms of church unity, so I'm... I want to learn from you guys, but, you know, church unity doesn't seem to be very obvious, does it? And I, I thought, not funny, I, in my mind, I'd given up on it as an idea in my lifetime. I thought, I'm sure, I'm Jesus, I'm sure you can do that, but I have no expectation attached to that bit in the Bible. I'm not just being honest with you, and I'm, I'm a church leader. It's a bit of the Bible that I'm not sure I was engaging with. <clears throat> One of the reasons for that is I've seen when churches do projects together. You're laughing. And you end up with more disunity than unity. Have you ever had that happen? Now, I'm sure, sure Austin's much better at it than we are, but actually. <clears throat> but I want to tell you, you don't get unity through shared projects. Okay, so I'm going to... Bear with me, I know where I'm going, okay, so... While I, was, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Now, I'm coming to you now, but I'm saying these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Woo, how much joy are you meant to have? Woohoo! Wow. Want some more joy today? Yeah, you're going to get it. really interesting isn't it how how joy has been opposed in the church one of the most suspicious things you could do was laugh in the church and when the Toronto blessing came out that laughter stuff what are you doing it, it became a, a massive theological debate of whether laughter was actually from God or not from God. I thought, were you allowed to do it in the meetings? I'm not allowed to do it in the meetings. I always thought it was quite amazing that you were, it was, it was no, there was no problem at all if you sat there looking miserable. 
And boy, that never came under question. You, you were allowed to look miserable and bored in church, but if you decide you're having a good, good time, it sort of all of a sudden comes under question. So, so, <laughs> so we accept misery. I don't, I'm, that's not a fruit of the Spirit in my, my Bible. So. It's just, <laughs> just not. What does God do in response to his enemies? He laughs. Why? Because it's ridiculous to think that they're going to stop him. That's what he says. He come up with, the devil comes up with a scheme and he goes. <laughs> That's what he's trying to let us do. We want to be free from the fear of the devil. <laughs> One of the greatest lies that exists in the world is that Christians should be frightened of the devil. It's the other way around. He's meant to be frightened of us because he knows how powerful we are. It's just we don't live up to it. We don't live up to the freedom that he's given us. I'll probably talk about grasshoppers tomorrow morning. We're not grasshoppers, by the way. Are you a grasshopper or a giant? Yeah. You're with me. Okay. I love this. I've given them the, your word and the world has hated them. There's good news as well. <laughs> the gospel doesn't necessarily make you popular. For they are not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. We're not meant to be taken out of the world. <laughs> We're meant to be equipped within the world, so we change the world and transform the world. That's why I do heaven in healthcare. So I'm, I'm going to keep passion on about it. I've not taken myself out of it to create a different system. I'm in it to transform it. God's not taking you out of your systems. He doesn't want us to be off in some Christian enclave, separated out of the world. He wants us to be in to change it. He hasn't taken us out. He's put us in. Spill more on that tomorrow, but you're going to get a long sermon tomorrow morning about this, right? <laughs> Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That is a powerful word. There's so much in this chapter. How was Jesus sent into the world? Jesus was sent into the world because God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his beloved son. Has he stopped loving the world? So what does he do now? God so loves the world that he sends his beloved sons and daughters. In the same way that Jesus was sent, we are sent into the world. We're meant to be his compassion. We're meant to be his power. We're meant to be the love of God in the world. And it talks about love and power are inextricably linked. We are meant to be the miracle workers in the world, as you've just heard. Those stories are meant to ripple around. Why? Christianity, Christianity should be filled with, with this stuff so that actually the world is released from its bondage to decay. How, many, how much medical resource could we save through those stories? Is your, is your medical world in difficulty? Is it lacking resource? It shouldn't be if we're in it. 
I, I've said this in the conference. I have never. I don't. I refuse to believe that any situation I in lacks. If I'm there, because I have access to all the resources of heaven. I'm quite happy being in the world. I'm not frightened of the world. I'm there to love the world. <clears throat> and we did that last time I was here. We did a compassion tunnel. Do you remember? Ruined Stacy for days. So. Still ruined her, so I checked up on her when I came through. She said, yeah, still in a mess. It's a good, a glorious mess. You should never recover from the compassion of God. It's meant to be a lifestyle. Ooh, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read through these next verses and... <laughs> I just want you to take full note because this is where we're going to get to. My prayer is not for them alone. So when Jesus was praying this prayer for his disciples, <clears throat> he says, it's not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me, <clears throat> excuse me, through their message. Who's that? We've believed it. So, so this prayer is now ours. Okay. That they may be, all, all of them be one. <laughs> Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. There, he's done it again. I thought, oh, good luck, Jesus. Until 2008. When I was reading this and God showed me a verse that had not been in the Bible before. <laughs> he sneaked it in somehow between my previous reading of John's Gospel. And this, somehow he got this verse in because I had never seen it before. Have you, do you ever have that experience? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. How important is our unity? That the, see, the world is not convinced by a disunited church. In actual fact, it gives it reason not to believe. Verse 22 should blow your socks off. I've given them the glory that you gave me. <laughs> I have given them, us, you, me, the glory that he received from the Father. How much glory have you got? Same as Jesus. What does that make you? It makes you glorious children of the living God. Free and glorious. What's creation waiting for? The revealing of the glorious freedom of the children of God. Why is it waiting? Because we're not living up to it at the moment. Because we're still slaves. How many of you are confident and happy with the idea that you are glorious. I want you to say it. I am glorious. I am glorious. Keep going. Feel uncomfortable or good? Bit of both? A little bit of both, Declan? You're doing better than, than my students did in 2008. Because <laughs> when I first taught them this, I couldn't get them to say this for three weeks. Why? Because we've been taught not to be glorious. 
We are the glorious sons and daughters of the living God. And he goes on to say this. <clears throat> I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. <laughs> then I understood. Share glory is unity. How many Christians have the glory of God? All of them. How would it, what would it be like if we viewed them through that lens? Look at the person sitting next to you through that lens. This is it going to get kind of embarrassing? Ooh, look, there's a glorious one sitting next to me. There's a glorious one sitting next to me. Now, what about that church down the road that don't believe the same stuff that you do? Oh, well, they're, well, they're not glorious at all. No, 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 because they, they, they don't agree with us. No. Or maybe, are they glorious ones with a different expression to you because there's a world to reach that needs multi-flavoured Christianity? do this tomorrow glorious but different we do a course in our supernatural school called uniquely glorious you know you are uniquely glorious because there's only one of you and only you can carry the glory that God has allocated to you and that's how he puts his body together a glorious body made up of glorious parts with everybody playing their part And that's freedom. It's freedom from false humility, where we would deny who we are and proclaim, our, and pro, and proclaim ourselves as grasshoppers rather than glorious children. The problem with being grasshopper is you never get into the promised land. Even though it's promised to you. It's one of the saddest stories in the Bible, in my mind, is the, ten, the 12 spies that went into promised land and ten of them how they viewed themselves they viewed themselves as grasshoppers and then they spread that report through the whole of Israel and do you know how quickly fear spreads fear spread throughout the whole nation and a whole generation missed their promised land I don't want to miss the promised land neither do you Are you free? Are you glorious? Will you guard that? With your life? The world's waiting. Society is waiting, it's groaning. And we are the answer. That's kind of responsibility as well. I want to tell you that freedom and glory come with responsibility to live up to that glorious calling. But it is a glorious calling. Thank you, Jesus.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.